We are going to read the Bible now. Um, we are we're still working our way through 1 Thessalonians. Um, we're going to um, be looking from the, the back end of, of chapter 4, but I'm going to start reading today from, from chapter 5. Um, so if you've got your Bibles there at home, please uh, please grab them out and get them ready. Um, I'm going to read for us uh, from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Um, we'll have the reading up on the screen there as well. Uh, but let's let's read God's Word together. Now, brothers and sisters... About times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Thanks, Sam. If I ask you the question, what is your purpose in life, or where are you going? What is your goal in life? Where do you want to get to in the end? kind of heavy questions for this time of the morning, but they're questions that Thessalonians are asking. It's, it's a kind of stay the path because there is a destiny. There is something at the end. There's a goal at the end worth living for, worth giving your life for. There's something um, that is worth pushing through to stay the path. There's, as we mentioned before, I got lots of bushwalking stories and they're not all good. But one example of this is not knowing where you're going is uh, once when the kids were in their teens, uh, we went for a road trip down to Victoria and we were walking through the Grampians. Amazing national park, huge big rock formations, lots of bushwalks. And I said to the, the kids, how about there's this great bushwalk, it's about 10 k's. That if we start at one end, walk through all these amazing, there's things to see at all through each of the 10 k's and we start at the top of the hills, mostly downhill and we end up back down at the caravan park. It's going to be awesome. They hesitated, not keen on the 10k bit, <laughs> but we, Kim drove us up to the top of the mountain, they put us up, she dropped us off, I said look I think this is the track we go on, we're walking through this track, kilometre and two kilometres, it's pretty boring, there's nothing to see. <laughs> But then we got to the end of, of this little bit and we finally got to uh, a lookout, which kind of wasn't as glamorous as the lookouts that was on the pictures. And it was kind of, what's going on here? It was at that point we realised we're on the wrong track. That to actually get back on the right track, we had to redo that track. So by the time we started our 10Ks, we'd already walked 5Ks. You can imagine... You can imagine how popular a dad is in those situations. Uh, the rest of the track was awesome. It was amazing. you got to do it. But I find so many people are like that. We don't want to live our lives going on the wrong path, not reading the right signs and just meandering, hoping to find something, but not really knowing what's at the end. That's no way to live your life. So that's why Paul's 
gone to great efforts to write this letter to this church and other churches in the first century just to say, stay the path. Know where you're going so you don't be distracted, so you don't get pulled away from the gospel. Know what's at the end. And this is what particularly he's pushing into in the passage we're looking at today. For the end of uh, chapter 4 into chapter 5, he's looking at this is what it looks like to finish well. This is what it's at the end, the destination. But not this is what it looks like to finish well, but this is what it looks like for you to finish well. It really puts some application and some uh, gets us thinking through what that's like for each of our lives. But first, he, he shows us about the destination, what it looks like to finish well. We can pick that up in chapter 4 from verse 13, where he says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. What he's talking about when he talks about sleep, because he mentions this a little bit, is it's actually people who have already died. Uh, don't grieve like the rest of humanity when somebody dies because you're different. And what he's talking about is there's, there's two ways of grief or two ways of having a funeral. And yeah, I've been to my share of the funerals and I can tell you they're very, very different from each other. You go to somebody who's a Christian, somebody who's a believer, you go to their funeral and this is what it feels like. This is, this is what it feels like for me. You go in, there's music, people, uh, they're sad because they're, they're missing their friend, but there's a sense of joy at the funeral. They're happy. So they come in together, they're singing praise songs to God, often with somebody dead in a, in a casket at the front of them, but they're praising God in that moment. And then we hear stories about their life, about there's, they've pushed through and endured through to, to finish well in their faith, how they cling to Jesus through all kinds of trials. And then we're reminded about, uh, from God's word about how by finishing well in your faith that Jesus has this amazing promise of eternity, eternity with him. So this is not the end. It's not the end. It's just the start of eternity for them. So for us at the funeral, there's this sense of rejoicing that these guys have made it. They're at the gates of heaven and they're about to enter. It's exciting for them and it's a sense of we want to see you there. So often when I walk away from those funerals, I feel inspired. I want to be there too. I want to be with them and to, to, to push through and finish well just like they did. So I find those inspiring because I'm not saying goodbye to them forever. I want to see them again. But then there are funerals where people don't have faith where they've just gone through life and done things their own way. That sort of funeral plays out like uh, the music in the background is a lot more morbid, it's sad, it's reflective and meditation on, uh, on whatever you want to reflect on uh, in, in the perspective of life and death. We hear stories about their life, which are often really exciting and interesting, but it ends with closure, a closure of goodbye, my friend, I'm not seeing you again. And it finishes in, with a real grief, a sadness that it's, it's like when you read a chapter of a book with not a very good ending and it just sort of ends and there, there is no more. We're not going to see you again. There's no part two. That person's gone. And that is a grief and a sadness. But what Paul's saying is, no, no, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus and trust in Jesus, you have certainty. You have assurance on how it's going to end. 
And so we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear or, or, or be grieved uh, to the extent when somebody dies, we don't have to be torn apart, but we know they're in a good place and we want to be with them too. So Paul says, you can have that. That's the finishing line and you can have that too. But how can we have assurance? How can we have assurance that what happens after death is what he's talking about? Well, he goes on to explain in verse 14. Verse 14, he gives us a reason why. He says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so that we be- uh, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. What he's saying is historically, Paul and the other guys who he was with, historically, they were there in the time Jesus rose from the dead. The apostles saw Jesus. They knew Jesus. They saw him die on a cross. They buried him. They literally, like they're no dummies. They saw the dead Jesus. But yet three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and he was speaking to them and teaching them. He was eating with them and drinking with them. He was alive. He'd beaten death. He'd risen from the grave. And what Paul is saying, this is amazing. Jesus really did rise from the dead. It's not a story. It's like, don't worry if you find that hard to believe because the disciples found it hard to believe too at first. But then they hung out with Jesus and realized it's really true. So Paul's saying, because we have confidence that Jesus has beaten death, that Jesus has physically risen from the grave, that's what he's got in store for you too. If we trust in Jesus, he will will do the same for us, that we too will have a physical body resurrection to, to, to life again. That's how we know, because we can trust in the one who's been there before us, in Jesus. But then he gives us uh, a little bit of a picture on what that might look like, because if you're like me and your brain starts to wander, you go, what would it be like to have all these people rise out of their graves? Well, he starts explaining, giving us a bit more detail from verse 16. Verse 16, and if you're an aspiring Hollywood director, you might want your... um, your juices sort of flowing here and what this might visually look like but he explains it like this for the lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of god and the dead in christ will rise first after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up into the air with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I love this picture of when Jesus returns, coming out of the clouds. And you kind of, you could get this image of zombies all starting to come out and walk around. If you've got the Hollywood uh, glasses on, of just going, what is that going to look like? But we're told that when he does come, people will be called out of the grave, called out of the ground. They will be made alive again. And there's good indication that even when they come up, it'll be a physical death and we will even recognize those as well. Uh, There's lots of hints, nothing's confirmed, but it it does. I want to be there. I want to see that. I want to see all believers from previous generations raise up and be taken to heaven with Jesus. But even how that might look, are they wearing dirty clothes? Are they old and wrinkly or young and handsome or what? 
I haven't got answers for that. But we do know what he's not saying. He's very clear on not saying, when you die or after you die, you don't turn into an angel. Be surprised how often at funerals people want to say that. They're an angel looking over me. My archangel, they're there. Their spirit doesn't go into an animal or a tree. The spirit doesn't live on like that. Paul says that that's not what's going on either. The whole zombie thing, you can get caught up in Hollywood, uh, but it, it appears like they are truly resurrected and we will recognize them uh, and as they're taken to heaven. He also talks about no mention of any sort of purgatory, about the dead will have to work off their sins to be good enough, have a second chance to be good enough to get into heaven. There's none of that. They're just taken straight to heaven if they follow Jesus. It's an awesome picture. It's a great picture. But he's saying we can know this stuff. We know it because Jesus rose from the dead. So trust in Jesus because this is what it looks like to finish well, to come to the end of your life, to be called up into heaven because you trusted, trusted Jesus. This is what it looks like to finish well. That's, that's, that's the end of the bushwalk in a sense where you get the, the great big uh, the view over the landscape. You get welcomed into heaven like that. But that's what it looks like to finish well. But this is what it looks like now, he says, for you to finish well. Because hopefully you're not dead yet. Uh, so there's some instructions for us. And first, when he says, this is what it looks like for you to finish well, he says, stay ready. That's the first thing he says. He's going to say three things. The first thing, he says, stay ready. Because I know that uh, a lot of people, particularly hearing what I've just said about uh, the dead being taken up to heaven, will go, hey, this is pretty cool. I can live the way I want. I can just indulge in my own sinful ways. But as long as I'm on my deathbed repenting to Jesus, then I'll be saved. But Paul's going on to say, you know, you might not be that ready. Jesus might come when you're least expecting it. Have a look at chapter 5. We'll pick it up at verse 1. There he says, Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Every time he says that, he de goes on to explain what he means. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, as they will not escape. It's interesting, isn't it? When people try and uh, anticipate and predict when Jesus will return, th there's People at different ends of the spectrum. On the one end, we have people obsessed with trying to read prophecy and, and interpret the times. Ah, oh, yes, this is when Jesus will return. Yet Jesus himself said that you will not know the time when he comes. Paul uses language like it's going to be like a thief in the night. You will not expect it when Jesus returns. But then there's this other group of people at the other end of the spectrum that, that don't really care. They think... They're not worried about Jesus returning. Uh, Paul uses the language there where they're saying peace and safety. Now, this was uh, a common phrase in the Roman Empire in the first century, uh, so in the time Paul was writing, where he would, where people, if you lived in the Roman Empire, you had peace and safety. You lived among the most powerful nation in the world at that time. You had walls around your cities. You had big armies. You had strong economies. You had massive transport systems that would take food in and out. You, you were safe. You didn't have any worries. It was very much peace and safety. Nothing can harm us. We're not worried at all. So Paul's saying, don't have that attitude. 
Because often we can have that attitude as well. We're either obsessed with Jesus' return and not thinking of anything else, or we're just not concerned at all. And we've forgotten about his return like it's not even happening. Where Paul says, it's going to happen to you. If you're not ready, it's going to happen. And he refers to, uh, like in childbirth, you can't stop it. You can't pretend it's not going to happen if you're expecting a baby. There's no escaping it. The baby will come when it's ready. And this is what he's saying. It will happen. Jesus will return. Be ready. Be ready. Stay ready. This is what it looks like to finish well. The second thing he says is stay on path. Stay on track as you live out this life to finish well. Paul explains it by describing two people. One is following Jesus and the other one is living for himself. Uh, We can pick it up from verse 4. See if you can pick up the two images of the two people. He says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So on the one hand, he's saying, you you guys who follow Jesus, he's writing to a church, people who love Jesus. He's saying, you guys are children of the day, children of the light, not like other people who don't believe in Jesus. They're in darkness. They're in the night. And that sort of brings up, on the one hand, an image of awareness. You're more aware of things going on in the day uh, than at night, but also a moral attitude of in the day, everything we do is exposed and open everybody can see our genuineness we're in the night we're more likely to be sneaky and hidey hiding like the thief uh thieves rob houses at night that sort of thing but no you're you're of the day but he also uh, talks about uh, being awake and sober and not asleep and drunk now i don't it's not necessarily talking about don't touch alcohol but he is talking about be aware know what's going on if you're asleep or, or drunk, it, it's kind of that image of you're not really caring what's going on, you're not aware of what's going on, you're just doing your own thing and, and you're half zoned out. But you go, no, no, stay on path. Stay on path by staying alert. And you can know if you're that person who's staying on path because he's, he's using this clothed in armour language where we wear faith and love and salvation like an armour that we're ready to take on the world in our faith and love and assurance of salvation. We can do that. But the others are asleep. They don't know what's going on, and the fear is that they will face God's wrath. They will face God's wrath without any armour or protection. We don't want to be naive to what's ahead of us. So stay the path. There was one highlight in uh, my bushwalking time with my kids, especially um, when they were in their young teens. I think Ash might have been 14, Joel might have been 12, or even younger than that. We would do some long bushwalks. We'd go up some places like Mount Warning. There's really a hard slog. Lots of everything's just uphill. It's like walking a staircase for like, I don't know, 
five k's. It's really hard. And I remember us going up the hill. It's kind of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it's not until you get to the end, you go, oh, so much longer than I thought, but so much better than I thought. But on the way down, you're starting to see other people come up the path. And even right from the start, you're just exhausted from going up the stairs. So Joel, my son, um, very kindly would say, you're doing well, you're nearly there, good on you. And people would look at him and go, oh, thank you, I needed that. And I'd go, Joel, we're not even halfway. Why are you telling him that? And he goes, I know, <laughs> I know. So he says, look at their faces. So it's one of those parenting moments when you, you know your kid's doing something naughty but you don't want to stop because it's too funny. To see the look on people's faces going, wow, I needed that. I'm nearly there. I'm striving forward. And the ones who didn't know the path, didn't know where they were going, they were just gobbling up and, yeah, thank you, thank you. But the ones who knew the path and knew how long it was going to be were just like, what are you talking about? We've got a long way to go. Now, I thought it was funny. You had to be there. But it was one of those moments where you go, that's just like life. If you don't know where you're going, you just believe anything. Oh, this is good. Help me say something to make me feel good. Wander around. I'm in darkness. I'm naive. I'm, I'm unaware of the big picture. Paul's saying, no, know the path. Stay sober-minded. Be aware. This is a long haul because there's going to be lots of things that are going to try and make it hard for you to stay on track. But Paul says, if you know the path, trust Jesus, and you will finish well and, and live so stay the path. Last thing he says is stay focused on the end. And that's what you need to do in bushwalking. You know there's a destination. You know there's something good at the end. And that's going to pull you through. That's going to make, make it worthwhile, particularly in those hard moments. We pick that up in verse 9, where he says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So you're not running the race to prove God you're worthy, but you're running the race following the path Jesus laid out before you. You're following him, trusting him, because you know he's going to lead you to something worthwhile, very worthwhile. Paul says at the end, we're going to be living together with him. Not like we are now, growing old and the days are short and cold, but for eternity. We're going to be living together for eternity in heaven. It's going to be an awesome picture. Are we running that race? Because Paul says you're going to have 100% confidence in the destination is going to be worth a while. But stay the path. Stay focused on the end. It's almost like in our day-to-day lives, we need to have one eye on the world and one eye navigating the path here and now, but the other eye looking forward to heaven. Just reminding ourselves, that's what we're living for. That's the goal. That's the end. It reminds me of, uh, we did a parenting course here some time ago at church, and they said, uh, they asked each of us, what, what was our goal of parenting? And I think for us, the goal of parenting at that time was survival. Uh, We just want to stay together as a family, sometimes the day-to-day grind. But they said, no, your goal in having kids should be getting them to the end. You are preparing them to leave home as an adult, as a 
high-functioning, normal adult. That's our goal in parenting, right from when our children are born to then. And I kind of think, wow, that's, that's the principle for all of life. We should be, not only for ourselves, trying to get to the end, but we should be encouraging each other, building each other up. This is where our goal is. I want to help encourage you. <coughs> I want to help train you and prepare you for to finish well so we can be all standing together again uh, as we enter eternity. It's going to be an awesome sight to be there. So this message is not just for old people that might die soon. They need to be thinking about this seriously. I get it. I'm turning 50. I've got my crisis happening. But also for, for young adults, for teens, for even our kids. We've got to be preparing each other to finish well, to encourage each other in that. We don't know whether... Uh, Finishing is the end of our life or when Jesus returns or our life gets taken short. We need to be ready. We need to be staying on path for that. It's our mission in this church to make and grow disciples. So we want to see more people join in that story to find life, but also grow as disciples to move together. We want to be doing that as a church together. It's our priority. Another way of uh, rewording that to make and grow disciples is to see as many people as we can finishing well as we enter the kingdom when Jesus returns. I want to encourage you in that. Have one eye on eternity, one eye on the finish, so you're not being distracted in this world because it's worth it. Paul's saying you can have assurance that when Jesus returns and takes us home, you will not even think this journey was that hard because it's going to be so good there. Let me encourage you in that. Let me pray for you now that uh, as we do life to life, uh, that we can be able to be building each other up and, and to be staying focused ourselves. Please pray with me. Dear Father God, we just thank you for just that encouragement that we need, that in times when we might feel down or disillusioned or just lacking energy and motivation to follow you, to stay the path, asking questions, is it worthwhile? Lord, I thank you for just that picture of the finishing line. Whether, whether we die in old age that you take us beforehand or you return, Lord, that we want to be on your side. We want to be swept up with you into heaven for all eternity. And we want to do it together with our friends, our family, with those around us. Lord, please help us and use us to build your kingdom to take as many as possible out of love for you and longing for eternity, Lord. Please help us to stick the path and protect us, Lord, with that armour that you, that you give us. Help us, Lord, to grow with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.